Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel, the XFL Week 5 Picks Show. We're going to really just do a breakdown position by position, go through that, let you know where the injury news stands. As I record this on Thursday morning, so only going to have reports through Wednesday practices. Again, there's going to be a way more in-depth breakdown later in the week over on Patreon, Saturday morning podcast over there. I will have my GPP and cash games rankings my cash game tiers going up friday as well over on patreon for the xfl week five so be sure to get all that detailed information the premium content over on patreon it is linked up down below and this video is indeed sponsored today by drafters.com the only place that you can find dfs online snake drafts now that drafts.com is gone so drafters.com if you want 100 percent deposit bonus to go play in those snake drafts to go play in best ball leagues that will be returning in weeks is what i'm told for the nfl 2020 season Check out all that stuff. Best Ball is a really fun format. Uh, Snake drafts are a really fun format online for DFS. Uh, 100% deposit match up to $50 if you use the promo code SAL. That is S-A-L-100. SAL100 get you a 100% deposit match up to $50 linked up down below. But welcome, gang. Welcome back. If you're if you're new here, I appreciate you tuning in, stepping in for some of my content. Hopefully you enjoy it. If indeed you are returning and you do enjoy it, please make sure that you have that subscribe button hit. It does help out the podcast a ton. It allows me to continue to produce this content because it reaches more people which allows me to create more partnerships with third-party sites, which allows me to create more opportunities for people to join Patreon. So hitting that subscribe button does indeed go a long way. That's sort of the theory behind what it allows me to do. So I'm going to go position by position here. We're going to have a more detailed breakdown. I'm just going to mark my interests, no ranking to them. That will be over on Patreon if you are indeed interested. Starting at the quarterback position, and I'll be sure to give you injury news based on uh, the positionality, but starting at the quarterback position, the only really, so lots of messy things in terms of the injury news here. Josh Johnson did practice in full for the first time really all season, so he's going to be a full go, uh, ready to go. The issue is that Seattle might use both quarterbacks with BJ Daniels and Brandon Silver, so that's not great. Like BJ Daniels is an interest of mine if he plays and plays even three quarters of the game um, with his rushing upside in this one against Houston, where they're going to be forced to throw as as two touchdown underdogs, thirteen point underdogs, the widest spread. But um, not great when we see Tressman saying that they might use both. We're not trusting him, but we see that they might be using both quarterbacks here. That's not great. Uh, Philip Nelson should be getting the start here, but they called up Eric Dungy, a former Syracuse quarterback. So he might get a little bit of work and probably might be the best option as in week one on 46 dropbacks, Nelson only threw deep 20 plus yards down the field twice. That's not good for this Dallas offense overall. Luis Perez looked fine in his start, but Matt McGloin returned to practice and is now splitting reps with Luis Perez. So we'll get a starter named later in the week. So that's not good. And then Taylor Cornelius, our buddy who's been okay the past couple of weeks, priced now up to 8,500. Well, Aaron Murray's still expected to be the backup, but Quentin Flowers, who kind of quit on the team and now is returning to the team, is going to have a role in the offense, which just hurts if Quentin Flowers is going to come in for 20% of the snaps, some red zone snaps. It hurts the touchdown upside of the wide receivers in Tampa Bay and Taylor Cornelius. So a lot of these secondary quarterbacks have issues with quarterback by committee potentially coming in 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 Tampa Bay in New York in potentially Dallas and probably Seattle is what it looks like so that's concerning but starting at the top end where you have Philip Walker at $12,000 yet again here 36.5 attempts per game a 29.5 team implied total this is the highest on the slate by seven points. They have a touchdown to- total higher than anybody else. It makes sense because Seattle ranks seventh in coverage with 226.2 passing yards allowed per game, and they allow the second most yards per game at 337.5. He is a number two pass blocking offense in the league. He is number one in deep attempts at 29 through four games. 
Philip Walker, if you can afford it, yes, I obviously like it. He is really one of the only two or three consistent pieces this week. Um, and, and the total speaks for that when he has a touchdown total higher than Dallas of seven, who is in second with a 22.5, again, 29.5 for Houston. Josh Johnson's a little bit interesting this week. 10,500, he's been the most consistent quarterback maybe over the last two to three weeks. Obviously, Philip Walker has been right there as well. Um, but you're getting the peaks and valleys, the highest upside quarterback is Walker, but uh, Josh Johnson's been very stable. Now he gets a matchup here where he faces Tampa Bay, but they allow the least yards per game, total yards of uh, 237.2. They do play at a faster pace, which is good. I mean, they're right up there with St. Louis, if not better in plays per game. He leads all quarterbacks since the last two weeks Josh Johnson does with deep passes at his 16. Tampa Bay does rank seventh in coverage, but the issue for me is you have a a LA team that only only is implied for 20.5 points. That's the fourth highest total on the slate and you're paying the second highest price tag. Now, Johnson, if you're just looking for 18 to 20 fantasy points, it seems pretty secure for that. And then there's upside beyond it. So at 10,500, one of the quarterbacks that will be in play for me, Jordan Tayamu's price point comes up a little bit. Last week, he ends up getting the six plus fantasy points on the ground that if you're just going to get 60 plus rushing yards for Jordan Tayamu, most weeks, it's going to end up paying off for you. They run so many damn plays that he was able to throw 27 times in a game where they probably didn't have to throw that many times where their running back still combined for around 30 rush attempts between the three of them. So pretty crazy when you factor in Jordan Tamla that this team still ran like 40 times last week. It's just unreal just how many plays they're getting off. They're still able to throw 27 times. So now they get a matchup versus DC that ranks number two in pressure and number four in coverage. Um, so just an average defense overall right now. Tamla's number one in rushing efficiency in the entire league. You have DC as the second worst run defense in the league. The issue is for me right now, they are implied for just 21 implied points, but that is the third highest on the slate. Uh, just five deep passes over the last two weeks. You did see, though, Jordan Tam would jump up to number two in play action passing because he had 10 play action passing attempts last week, the most in any one uh, one week sample, I believe, uh, since week one for Cardinal Jones. So Tamu looks okay. He's just stable at this point. He doesn't have another quarterback pushing him for his job. The third highest implied team total for the third highest price quarterback makes some sense. BJ Daniels, I, I want to have a lot of interest in him. Seattle throws just 28.3 times per game. So nothing too crazy right around the league average, maybe a little bit better, but he has the rushing upside and Houston allows 109.2 rushing yards per game. The problem is he has the second lowest implied total at 16.5 at this point. In the talk of there could be two QBs used. So I imagine hopefully by Friday, we have a starting quarterback named and more clarity on the Seattle quarterback situation. Daniel seems to be the guy with more upside. Came in at the half, halfway point of the last game, came in in the second half and still rushed for 66 yards in one half, right? Um, only threw five of 10 times. Like you're not going to get much from him out of the passing game. They're two touchdown underdogs for a reason. But if you get a $7,200 quarterback coming in, throwing for just say a, a hundred and yard, a hundred yards and change with an interception. So he's got four, four fantasy points there. Get me a touchdown. That's all I need. Four fantasy points there. So you're up to eight. And then the guy can rush for 80, 80 yards on the ground. <laughs> he did 66 and a half. Um, yeah, 16 to 18 fantasy points from a quarterback could pay off at 7,200, depending on what it allows you to get other in, in others positions. The problem for me is like saving $5,000 off Philip Walker is fantastic. It allows you to squeeze in all the studs up top. Trey McBride's priced up. Uh, Cam Phillips still priced up. All the Houston wide receivers. Nick Holly in the slot got priced up. Harm's still expensive. Um, but it just it depends on really where you want to save money. I still think that we have value options at wide, rec- at wide receiver to get to. Um, and, and I think the ceiling and consistency on guys like Walker, Tayamu, and Josh Johnson just seems a lot better than a, a rushing mobile quarterback who has no passing game upside with the second lowest team total on the slate and potentially another quarterback in there. So I do have interest. He's marked as an interest because he's cheap and his rushing upside. But the, the talk of two quarterbacks is very scary. 
Lastly, Philip Nelson, I think, is a very bad quarterback, uh, but it's hard to ignore that Dallas is throwing 41.6 times per game this season. It's uncertain, though, if Nelson's going to play the whole game at 7,500. He, th- he had 43 attempts on 46 dropbacks in week one, only threw the ball downfield two times, threw, threw to his running backs 16 times, uh, threw the slot 12 times when you factor in both Donald Parm and Flynn Nagel. So he wasn't throwing downfield. So there's your upside gone. 22.5 implied points, though, is the second highest on the slate. So that's something to feel good about. And New York ranks number one in pass rush. So quicker passes are probably coming, i.e. really good for Flynn Nagel, i.e. really good for the running backs here, Artis Payne and Dunbar, but they rank eighth in coverage. So that's okay. So at 7,500, if he's just in the offense that throws the most in the league, there's a risk that Eric Dungy can come in at halftime. So that's the issue here, but he's at least interesting. Luis Perez, I, I can't get to right now. He, he looked okay in the last game in terms of winning a game. They got up big. They were able to run the ball 20 plus times, 19 times with Darius Victor, um, which is something we haven't seen, but now Matt McGloin is back and splitting snaps with him in practice. So we'll see what happens there. Can't trust Cardinal Jones at $9,000. St. Louis ranks number two in coverage, allowing just 173 yards per game. He is still number one in play action passing with nine per game, but they only have an 18 implied team total. Third worst. This DC team has fallen off a cliff on offense. I'm not trusting them. Maybe it's the week to jump back on them, but at $9,000, I'll pass. Heading over to the running back position now. Um, so let's head over here. Appreciate y'all tuning in again. Hit that thumbs up button. Hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to. Running backs, I have a total of seven listed here. Cameron Sardin Payne is number four in elusive rating, number one in running back shot run, number two in, in receptions, and he has 11 more receptions than the guy in third place. He's got 20, third place in the league has nine, 65% of the week four snaps. Pretty good. I'll update you on the running back injuries. Uh, D'Angelo Henderson for Houston has not played since week one in the first quarter. He has been limited with a shoulder in practice. Christian Michael, well, all the running backs for St. Louis right now have injury statuses. Matt Jones, DMP with a knee. He's been doing that every single week and then he plays. Christine Michael is with DMP with an illness. And then Sherman Batty, who they added to their active roster, was limited with a knee injury. Martez Carter and Larry Rose were both limited for LA. A hit for Carter, a foot for Larry Rose. And then for uh, this is a big one. Devion Smith did not practice with a foot injury um, for uh, for Tampa Bay. So keep an eye on that because Devion Smith right now, you have an LA defense coming in that ranks dead last in the league in rush defense, allowing 131.5 yards per game. You have a Tampa Bay run blocking unit that ranks number one in the league. Uh, they have two of the three leading rushers in the league with Devion Smith and Jock Patrick. A lot has to do with both of them going for 100 plus yards last week, but Devion Smith looks like the best running back in this league. Dunbar is, is close. In my opinion, like most NFL ready, I think is, is Devion Smith. Um, you, you get him with the number one run blocking unit facing the worst run defense. He's the number one elusive back, number two in routes run for running backs. Only has six receptions to show for it, but at least he's active there. But keep a close eye on this injury because if he was to miss, Jock Patrick gets the exact same matchup, gets the exact same offensive line, ranks number two in elusive rating, number four in breakaway percentage, and number five in running backs routes run, top five in overall rushing yards in this league, top three actually. So I like both the guys. Um, I obviously want Devion Smith at 7,900 if he's playing the most snaps out of these two guys in the backfield. Last week, since they got up big, you see a lot more work for Jock Patrick, but you're still getting Devion Smith played 61% of the snaps to Patrick's 44% last week. So Devion Smith looks really strong. Jock Patrick, though, in this matchup still looks strong. Keep a close eye on Devion Smith's health. Lance Dunbar played 49% of the snaps last week, so he didn't play the majority, sadly, like he did the week before when he was on the field for a good amount with Cameron Sarden Payne playing close to 60% of the snaps, um, but you did not have any other running backs touching the ball like you did week one. Now, Philip Nelson, who's just going to check it down to running backs nonstop, will be in there, so both Dallas running backs, once again, look really strong. 
Dunbar leads all running backs in receptions, number three in total routes run, number one in running backs routes run out of the slot. Matt Jones is only running 11.25 routes per game, just one reception to show for it. He's wildly impacted by his quarterback's rushing success, probably his knee injury and the game flow. So it makes him a little bit concerning when he's priced around all these other 7K plus running backs, both the guys in Tampa Bay and Dallas who have much stronger and consistent roles in offensive lines that they're playing behind. Danelle Pumphrey is back to number one on the depth chart. He's number four in running backs routes run, played 56% of the snaps last week. He's number three in running backs receptions, but at just nine, a huge drop off from both the Dallas guys who have 20 plus each number two in running back slots uh, routes run out of the slot. And Seattle ranks number two in run defense. So a tough spot for Pumphrey, uh, but Presley only played 3% of the snaps last week, something to monitor. Christine Michael at $5,200 is interesting. He's probably locked in for 10 to 12 plus touches, but only three uh, receptions on 45 total routes through four games is a concern. The price point of 5,200 though is very appealing. Not going to have interest in Kenneth Farrow, even though he did play 50 plus percent of the snaps first Seattle back to kind of break out of that three headed monster. He's number one in breakaway percentage. Um, he, he's a 13 point underdog though, and they still have three guys running routes and he's not the best pass catching running back. It seems that to be Trey Williams, Darius Victor, everybody's probably going to jump up and down that plays XFL DFS and say 19 carries last week. Yeah. How often do you think New York is going to be ahead by multiple scores? Um, I don't think for one that they're going to be ahead by multiple scores. In most games, he's number five in breakaway percentage. I've been liking him all year long. Every game that he's been healthy, Sands week two, he's been the lead back in this offense. But an eight-point underdog, only 14.5 implied points. The lowest on the slate is just disgusting. It's hard to get behind that. 19 carries on 56% of the snaps last week was great to see. I'd be shocked if he's in a position to actually see more than 12 carries this week. Five catches in just three games is okay for this league, but not something I'm going to get to all that much. For an updated and more in-depth breakdown, be sure to check in later in the week as we head over to the wide receivers. Now, um, I, I don't have all notes for every single wide receiver, but these are notes. They will be more detailed over on Patreon later in the week. And again, these guys, I have a list of 17 wide receivers right here. There will be more guys listed and ranked probably closer to 25 in the, the rankings for GPPs and cash. And in the tiers, it will probably be somewhere around these 17 to 18 guys. Cam Phillips up top price point doesn't drop that much, but he leads the XFL and routes run at 155. There was reports before last week's game that he was dealing with an injury um, and that potentially limited him. They also shadowed a lot him a lot more coverage over the top. It seems that the first three weeks he scored on broken plays. He was obviously the number one offense in the best scheme for passing. And then week two, they said, you know what? We're going to throw a safety over the top of you and see what you can do. And he did absolutely nothing. And like Cam Phillips is not an NFL talent by any means. Um, I think he'll get a chance on a, a, a practice squad, but all of his like athletic score, his spark score marks are terrible in terms of speed, catch radius, all that stuff. He's just a guy who has scored deep touchdowns on two broken plays, um, and he's in the number one offense in the league that throws a ton, and he just happens to be the guy seeing 100% of the snaps. Um, like uh, He's a big-bodied receiver, so that's what's good about him. The issue is, you saw it last week. The second they put double coverage on him, he looked absolutely terrible. Now, he's still in this offense, so at 11,500, he's in play for me, and he was apparently dealing with an injury last week. Trey McBride ran 41 routes last week. Whew! 97% of the snaps, 3.05 yards per route run. That is just not sustainable, but maybe it is. Uh, and in six and a half quarters of play right now, he's had 18 targets, 12 targets last week. Nelson Spruce is still not practiced. They just released Kermit uh, Whitfield, which will probably help more of Adonis Jennings in the slot. But McBride at 9,700 is looking like one of the best payoff options on the slate. Cleo Lewis is fine. Keeps the same price point playing out of the slot with a team that has a 30 implied team total. Dan Williams is number four in routes run with 143 on the season. Seems to be the 1A, 1B option with tail, uh, Jalen Tolliver for Taylor Cornelius. The issue is that if if Quinn Flowers is back now and going to play a, a quarter to 20%, 25% of the snaps, that hurts Dan Williams and Jalen Tolliver. 
Eli Rogers seems overpriced. This DC team has been really bad as of late, but he's still leading the team in routes run and snaps for four straight weeks, so he's in play. Rashad Ross is firmly in play as a GPP upside option only, has seen an average of three 20-plus yard passes per week so far. Flynn Nagel was tied for the league for the league lead in routes run with Cam Phillips and Nick Holly last week at 45. He continues to run a ton of routes. He was tied for his team lead with six targets in week one with Parham and Lance Dunbar from Cornelius, short passes, a top five in the XFL and routes run in the season. $7,400, though, is, is probably a steep price point for Nagel. I might bump him down a little bit as the week goes on. You're getting 7400 for sure. 22 implied team total, second highest in the slate, but that's still not fantastic. It's, it's, it's very average to below average for the season. And then you're getting him coming in with a, a much worse quarterback. So that might be a steep price point. Nick Holly's price point skyrockets, but it's just hard to ignore when he played 100% of the snaps last week, ran the most routes tied with Phillips and Nagel. And now you're getting him to potentially benefit even more if Phillips continues to be double teamed. Keenan Reynolds is a guy I have not played yet, but he's in play because he just plays 100% of the snaps. There's talk that they can potentially be adding a new offensive coordinator to call plays. That might help him for their number one weapon, quote-unquote weapon, um, on the outside. So Reynolds, 6,500, it's just a fair price point at this point, but if B.J. Daniels is going to play a lot, he's not known for his passing upside, more so his mobility, so that can surely hurt the upside of Reynolds. Jordan Smallwood's price point drops $500 after putting up a five-catch, 75-yard on five-target game. That all looks good, right? 12.5 fantasy points, but he only played 66% of the snaps. Blacknall ended up playing 35-plus percent of the snaps. So with Trey McBride playing all the snaps on the outside, with Adonis Jennings seemingly now as the number one slot receiver on this team as long as Nelson Spruce is out since Whitfield was released, it seems like there's a rotation with Smallwood and Blacknall on the outside. And if Blacknall continues to play more snaps, 40%, it's going to directly cut from Smallwood. So I actually agree with the price reduction. Some people might see the price reduction and say, hey, what happened here? He's a, he's a lock. No, he's not. He only played 66% of the snaps. In my opinion, he probably overproduced with 75 yards on five catches for five targets, 100% catch rate on the outside. Jalen Tolliver is number three in the XFL with um, in routes run. Still a favorable price point. Number six in targets with 6.8 per game. Just a concern on what how much uh, Flowers is actually going to play in this one. Reese Horn, the slot receiver for this team. Number five in the XFL in routes run, but he's only seeing 6.3 targets per game. And they're all low dot targets compared to Tolliver and Dan Williams on the outside. If Nick Truesdale, who has not yet practiced this week with a knee injury and has not played in the last two games, if he was to return, it would really hurt Reese Horn's upside. DeAndre Topkins down to the 4K range. He's just dropping on the depth chart firmly behind Ross. Played 71% of the snaps last week, saw 22 routes run. Interesting GPP option, but again, just an 18 implied team total for DC. Sam Mobley is now the firm outside receiver ahead of Sammy Coates on the outside. Second straight week of 55 plus snaps. Um, no real interest in Sammy Coates moving forward. So the 4K op- the below 4K options for me at wide receiver right now are Mobley. Josh Crockett, I'm probably going to end up taking off of this. He- he's he's just really dusty now with Philip Nelson starting. DeAndre Gould will be a tight end for Tampa Bay as long as Truesdale is still out to see some run. And Adonis Jennings, as much as I don't want to play the guy, last night's news of Whitfield being waived means that Adonis Jennings, instead of splitting 44% of the snaps with him, is now probably going to be the primary slot receiver as long as uh, Nelson Spruce is out. So at 3,500, that's appealing. I didn't say Donald Parham's name, but look, week one, he was tied with six targets uh, thrown from Phil Nelson. He is the best player in the XFL, in my opinion, is Donald Parham. Um, just overall, like like you can tell me that Philip Walker might be the best player in the XFL, maybe Josh Johnson, but I, I think it's Donald Parham when you factor in every single position. So uh, most NFL ready, in my opinion, across the board, four catches, 40 yards and six targets week one, but Nelson's, uh, Philip Nelson only attempted two deep passes. So look, if, if Parm is 7,500, sure, I'd go there, but he's 9,500. You're choosing Parm with Philip Nelson's spaghetti noodle arm uh, over Trey McBride and over Cam Phillips at that point. And I just really don't want to be doing that. Uh, 
Pearson now only ran 15 routes out of the slot. He actually was, he actually ran as the backup slot receiver in this game. And now he's 9,200. Brandon Riley actually ran 16 routes out of the slot ahead of him. So barely the backup. He pretty much split the role, but $9,200, people are just going to see the production. He's doing this and he's overproducing um, on, on the, the, the routes he's running. Austin Pearl at 8,000, not much interest. Ladamian Washington's price dropping to 6,600 starts to become appealing. Colby Pearson at $6,000 flat. If Perez continues to start would be appealing as well. That's where I'm at. That is a bunch of players that I have interest in. I will mark them and distinguish between their rankings and tiers over on Patreon later in the week on Friday and also on our Saturday Closing Thoughts podcast. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about ownership. We'll talk about everything. I'll also be live here on YouTube um, an hour before the games start for the XFL next week. Check out, check out drafters.com. DFS online snake drafts. I appreciate it. If you want to check that out, if you want to use the code down below, uh, Sal 100 or the link takes you over to drafters. Sal 100 gives you a hundred percent deposit match up to $50. So you want to play, you want to try it out for 10 bucks. You get 10 bucks for free. Bam. Check that out. Big contest is usually around $10. So you can get a couple entries into that. Check out my Patreon exclusive content. And before you leave, hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to. If you leave a review, you get entered into a raffle for a $25 giveaway. Peace out, gang. I appreciate you all so much. See you later, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.